We're in John chapter 19, but I want to give us a running start into it for the context. So I'll pick us up in uh, verse 38 and a half of chapter 18. After he said this, that's Pilate, he, Pilate, went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. I thought that was interesting that in John's gospel, they come up with a name themselves, the people wow. do. In, in the synoptics, uh, Pilate comes up with the name of the man to release instead of That's Jesus. Interesting little difference. Then Pilate, chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Well, that's interesting. Why? Remember, in Luke's gospel, he has Jesus flogged sort of as an alternative to having him crucified, thinking, if I have Jesus flogged, then the Jewish leadership will accept that, the Jewish people will accept that as a sufficient punishment, and then I can release him and I don't have to have him crucified. I don't have to kill him. Remember, Luke uh, polishes Pilate up into the best possible light imaginable except for John, which goes even further. In, in John's Gospel, they don't really get there. They, they don't explain why he does it. He simply does it. But then look what happens. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on his face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. Well, you just had him flogged, and you don't find a case against him. Well, that's a little bit uh, weird, but nevertheless, that's what he says. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. So John depicts Pilate here as being disgusted with them. It's almost, it's, 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 there's, there's almost a hint like, like it's, it's, it's up front in Luke's gospel. I'll flog him and release him. Here it's almost like he thought, if I flog him and we do this, then that'll be it. But no, they demand his crucifixion and he's almost, it's almost like he's disgusted. I'll take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. Pilate is being shown in even more positive light than in Luke's gospel. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has claimed to be the Son of God. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know of any law That's not in the Mosaic Covenant. <laughs> a lot of people were doing <laughs> That says that you can't claim to be the Son of God. You can't claim to be God. You can't use God's name. But wouldn't that be blasphemy and wouldn't that stoning? Blasphemy is if you use the name of Yahweh inappropriately. In that, and frankly, by that time and place at all. Um, uh, and Jesus repeatedly does that in John's Gospel. Um, use the name of Yahweh for the, for the deity instead of Adonai. And um, it seems as though that is... Maybe that is implied in this claiming to be the Son of God, but it's not up front. It's not blatant. What was so. it earlier in John where they wanted to stone him? What was they it? wanted to stone him for, for proclaiming, I am he. I am the one who, uh, whom you seek. I, and he uses the I am statements. Yeah. And the I am statements are the same statements that God himself uses when Moses says, who shall I say sends me to release the people from captivity? Who shall I say sends me? And Yahweh says, I am that I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. And I am in Hebrew is literally Yahweh, which 
is the meaning of the name. And, and Jesus used, seems to be using that in John's gospel repeatedly and was interpreted, he was interpreted as making those kinds of statements about himself. Just as Yahweh used them in Exodus, it seems as though John is intending for us to understand that that's how Jesus was doing it and why they was causing such an uproar amongst the Jewish leadership. And yet they come up with this different statement, not that he's claiming to be God, but that he's claiming to be the Son of God. And there's no law in the Mosaic Covenant that says you can't claim that. And in fact, there are plenty of statements in the Hebrew Bible where it talks about the sons of God. Sons of, uh, sons of God is a positive thing for people. Now, the Son of God would have a different meaning, however, for a Gentile. And we see Peter's response and what he does next. Now, when Pilate heard this, verse 8, when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. Maybe concerned for a riot earlier on, but afraid, and now more afraid than ever? He's more afraid of what? Of the Jews? Hardly. He's got a whole garrison there. He's more afraid than ever of Jesus. Jesus. Of According to John, yeah. Makes now, when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters, the Praetorium again, and asked Jesus, well, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> Wasn't Jesus out there with him? Oh, let's go back, back out, back in. I mean, it's, yeah. Hmm. Um, he, he entered his Praetorium again and asked Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you, do you refuse to speak to me? Do, do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless they've been given, given you from above. What you have the ability to do, Pilate, has been given to you from God, from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Now who's that? Who's the one? Well, he's not talking about Jesus again. No, Jews. Must be Jews. It's a, it's a plural one. It's the plural one or the entity of the Sanhedrin or the high priest. Yeah, the one in its metaphorical sense of the people, the Jews, as we've heard before the already Jews. in John. Yes. They're guilty of a greater sin than you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Remember, Matthew's gospel was written by Jewish Christians for Jewish Christians. Its polemics against the Jews who weren't Christians are based on the fact that the Jews who weren't Christians were throwing the Jewish Christians out of the synagogues uh, ostracizing them from the Jewish community, refusing to, to um, have, have communications or relations with them, uh, hoping that by pushing them out, they would force the Jewish Christians to recant their faith in Jesus as Messiah and come back into the fold. That was what was going on in the 70s, and in, certainly in the 70s, and definitely in the 80s when Matthew's Gospel was written. Um, that's why Matthew's Gospel has such a love-hate relationship with the Jews. It, it's written by Jews who are now Christians who are angry at the Jewish leadership, the Jewish establishment. John's Gospel takes it one step further. It's interesting that Luke's Gospel, which is the most Greek of all the Gospels, actually is not nearly as harsh on the Jews as the Jewish Gospel is. Uh, the most Jewish gospel, Matthew. Well, John goes a step further in its antipathy towards the Jews, and more directly so. And, and this is the first real instance of it in this whole sequence, where, where Jesus, in his own lips, he says, the, ones who, the one who handed me over to you, they're more guilty than you are of what you're getting ready to do. They bear the blood brunt of it, and it's gonna be said by themselves in just a moment. So this antipathy is here and it's elsewhere. It's, it's, it's elsewhere in the gospel, but it's here just spelled right out. You can't miss it. 
Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him. Well, Pilate, you're, you're the governor. Um, uh, if you really want to release him, you can do it. It sort of implies there are other Back. exchanges or, or discussions that are kind of just summarized here. Or that there are other influences that are pushing him that way. And, and they're kind of here, oh, no, I th I but it's not heavily so. I mean, it's. it's I, I think, you know, however credible this is, I think John does a pretty good job of, of portraying Pilate as, as, you know, isn't is this one where his wife tells him that's to... Over in, that's over in Matthew. Oh, was it the, so, his, so his wife isn't here. The, uh, it, uh, but clearly, you know, he's, he's, they try several, he tries several times to let him go and uh, different charges mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And he's trying hard to get to, to, to let Jesus go. He's being depicted, he's being shown in the best possible light. Which is a good thing to do when you're writing a gospel in a Gentile world that's run by the Roman authorities at a time when there's a lot of persecution going on against your church by those Roman authorities. You're going to try to ameliorate the differences between you and Rome as much as you possibly can. To I say, look, we don't blame you for death, Jesus' death. I think that's got to be what he means by this Pilate being afraid, you know, that, that, that. that, that they're, they're pressuring him, you know, and he feels like he's, like a lot of politicians do, you know. They're, <clears throat> they're pressuring him, and there's a little bit of fear in him that he's going to have to kill Jesus, and that might have certain implications for him. Hence, Jesus says they're more guilty than you are for this. Or if he doesn't kill him, then they'll... Then they're going to riot. they're going to turn him in. Exactly. Well, yes, exactly. There's, if he doesn't do it, there's going to be hell to pay, and that hell is going to come from the emperor himself because there's going to be some blackmail here in a moment. Yes? Isn't Pilate part Jewish? No, Pilate is not, uh, no, at, all. not at all. Pilate is a Roman governor appointed by the emperor. Oh. He's, he's, he's uh, Latin, uh, uh, Italian, but Roman. Okay. He's a Roman citizen from Rome and fully... Fully There's another P guy as Paul. Yeah, Paul I, was Paul was Jewish. But since he mentioned it, I've been trying to stick away from this, but the good old NIV takes you back in the flogging to Mark, which is the same exact thing as, as here. We're gonna go back and look at that again. Okay. All right. Hold on. To that. Thing about Hold on to that. Hold on to that. We need to look at that. Hold on to that. From then on, verse twelve, from then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. <laughs> you are no friend of Caesar if you release this man. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. Uh, Pilate, if you, if you don't crucify Jesus, if you release this man, we're going to tell the emperor. You better do it. And we're translating that for you too, what that means, by the way. And of course, you hate the emperor. He's already found him not to be guilty of claiming to be a king. I mean, yeah, that was the first. Exactly. In, in and now we, they're still persisting in this charge. They've upped the ante by saying he claims to be the son of God. And, and now we've got, but that is, of course, that's not against the Hebrew law even, and it's, it's not against any, Jewish, any Roman law. So when Pilate heard these words, their threat to, uh, to, uh, to tattle, to the emperor on him if he lets Jesus go. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside. and So it's kind of like they're inside and they're outside yelling in at him. It's kind of what it feels like. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. That's the interesting little bit of apparently historical Information it tries to set a setting or set the stage. Very interesting how that's done. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. Well, the high priest and the other chief priests and elders of the people need to be next door at the Temple Mount, getting ready to slaughter all them lambs for the Passover. So they need to get this over with. And 
Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar, the emperor. This is also a more than a subtle slap at the Jews, and especially the Jewish leadership. Because, and it's an echo actually back to the period. Because one of the big charges against the Jewish leadership, the Sanhedrin particular leadership, the, 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 the Sadducee, Sadduceic leadership, especially in Jerusalem, was that they were in bed with the Roman uh, occupation forces. They were, they were allies with the Roman occupiers. They were accommodating themselves to the Greco-Roman culture. They really weren't good Jews. And there were lots of separatist movements, uh, other denominations of Judaism during the days of Jesus, who were saying this about the Jewish leadership. And for them here to be, have, be proclaiming, we have no king but Caesar, is, is a slap against that leadership that kind of echoes back to the days of Jesus. I can hear, I can I kind of hear in my head them saying, these so-called Jewish leaders that had Jesus killed, they weren't even really good Jews. They, they, they had Caesar as their king, rather than looking for a messianic king. That's how bad they were, and you want to follow them and their successors and throw us out of the synagogue? There's, there's a polemic going on there. We have no king but Caesar. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. Now right there you have an interesting problem. Because the Greek has pronouns here. It doesn't identify specifically who it is. Who the them and the they are. It can't be the Jewish people, because the Jewish people don't execute folk by circumcision. I mean, by circumcision. <laughs> that would be. They don't execute folk. They gender out right there. They circumcise you at the neck. <laughs> no, uh, the 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 Jews uh, execute folk not by crucifixion, but by stoning. They throw rocks at them until you're dead. They they don't crucify folk. The Romans would crucify non-Roman citizens. So, and we know from the synoptics that it was the Romans who did it. John doesn't mess with that. He just uses these pronouns which seem to be focusing back to the Jews. And it's a subtle little way of throwing blame yet again on the Jews. The Jews. The Jews. Exactly. Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but the emperor, but Caesar. Then he handed them over to them to be crucified. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they <laughs> took Jesus and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. In the, Let's uh, stop there. I was going to say, in your, uh, this one it says, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Yeah, the Greek, it uses simply the pronouns. Yeah. It uses simply the pronouns. Your NIV translations. You have NIV? Yeah. And that's not what you got there. Uh-huh. He hands them over to whom? Well, it says when he started. Yeah. Oh, you so, mean the. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's he a little did. thing at the bottom. That's no, 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 no. In the, in the translation itself. In, um, he handed them over to the. In verse 16b. So. Uh-uh. Okay, mean? yeah, I got you. Verse 16a. 16A is different from 16B. Is read B 16A. Added? No, read 16A. Read 16A all of it. 16A is, is, is... Read all of it. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. And then... So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. So they took Jesus. Not soldiers. No soldiers in the this original. says they also. Yeah, the NIV, NRSV says they. Gotcha. That soldiers is interpretive. And, it, and it's an attempt to fix the problem <laughs> that John has created by using a pronoun rather than identifying who it is. And he does it on purpose, as you say, it's an editorial, to cast more blame on them dirty, stinking, rotten Jews and away from the Romans who we're trying to be buddy-buddy with because they're trying to kill us right now 
And we're trying to tell them, look, we're not all that bad. We don't blame you for the death of Jesus. All right. Um, let's stop right there for a moment. Let's go back to the flogging scene, the beginning of chapter 19. And then Pilate? I, I just yeah. have to say that that whole problem pertains at least through verse 24, where, he, where it's, it could very well be the Jews that are doing the crucifixion. Oh. And, it's implied, absolutely. The pronouns do not specifically identify at that point. On purpose. Who's do, and it's on purpose. John is doing it is really to try genius. to push it. To try to push it really hard. Okay, now, go back to the beginning of 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. All right. Now let's, uh, so, soldiers really seems to be a reference to Romans. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, uh, up here they've got chief priests and police. Now we've heard, you know, that the police is more like the temple guard. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, uh, but I think soldiers is usually infers a lot. Yeah. Well, it says stratiotai, which is the standard term for the Roman cohort, soldiers. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, go to Mark. Yes. Chapter fifteen. Verse 16. Now notice, we finished the, the trial before Pilate. The whole interview with Pilate's now over with in Mark's gospel. And he's had his conversation with them. He asked them, uh, who do you want me to release? Uh, Barabbas or the king of the Jews? And they have said, release Barabbas. Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Which is almost word for word what John wrote. Then, then the soldiers led him into the courtyard of the palace. That is the governor's praetorium. Same word, by the way, used there. And they called together the whole, co the whole cohort. And they clothed him in a purple cloak. And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him. And they began saluting him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck his head with a reed and spat upon him and knelt down in homage to him. And as the next verse says, they're mocking him. Interesting parallel with John. Mm -hmm. Pilate gives him the cloak of John. Yeah. Well, the other parallel that I think, the, right before that, he stirred up the, the chief priest, stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas. So in Mark, it looks like, at least with our NIV, that's 9, that's 11, verse 11. So when the, uh, so the crowd. Uh, verse 8 9. Um, then, in answer to them, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he realized that he was out of jealousy, that the chief priest had him over. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. And Pilate spoke to them again. What so, people, yeah. so, Mark's in total agreement with John about. It came not from Pilate, the Jews. It came from the Jews. The yeah. Jews. That's interesting. Yeah, that's true. Now, let's take a look at the well, parallel. Mark, Mark also has. As a crowd, where John, it's pretty much the, just the speakers the are the chief priests, chief and, the priests police. and the police, the leaders of the people. But they're much. supposed to be over at the. That they, it's getting close to noon. It's time for them to go to work. <laughs> yeah, they should be gone. All right, Matthew, parallel in Matthew, and you'll see an interesting switch. Chapter twenty-seven. Verse 15, now at the festival, uh, chapter 27, verse 15 of Matthew's Gospel. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that, at that time, they had a notorious prisoner named, called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, 
Whom do you want me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? Here, it's Pilate's idea, yeah, as I said earlier. Kind of weird. It's Pilate's idea. Hmm. For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. So the same basic structure. Remember, uh, Matthew is modifying what Mark has written. But, but Matthew puts the idea to release Barabbas into Pilate's mind to offer that as the alternative, That's which not, I just find absolutely fascinating. Yeah, because that makes the Jews look worse, I think. I don't see where it makes them look better. It makes them look worse. Thank you. Because Pilate had to come up with it. Of course. That makes, and this is Matthew. Yes. I and thought then, he was taking care of the Jews. No, Matthew, Matthew hates the Jews. Okay. The Jewish leadership. Nothing. Because he they are throwing out the Jewish Christians. And the Jewish Christians have written Matthew. So there's a very strong gotcha. anti-Jewish polemic sense. in the Matthew Gospel. And it's even stronger in John in some ways. But it's certainly stronger than it is in Mark. Now let's look at that parallel in Luke real quick. That piece of it at least. Verse 11 of chapter 23 of Luke's Gospel. I'm sorry, which chapter? Chapter 23, Luke 23. I'm going to back it up and do verse 10. The chief priests and the scribes... Uh, no, 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 that's, that's still about uh, Herod. Verse 13, chapter 23, verse 13 in Luke. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders of the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people. Yeah, it, one who was perverting the people. And here I have examined him in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. And they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow, release Barabbas for us. This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. So it came. Their idea here. Their idea. So Mark, Luke agrees with Mark and John. There's only one that does It's only Matthew who, who throws the idea to Pilate. I gotcha. Uh -huh. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, answered them, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no, in him no ground for this sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict and their demand that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over as they wished. So Luke agrees with Mark and John against Matthew here. That's fascinating. That means that essentially Matthew read it in Mark, decided to throw in the idea as going coming from, uh, from Pilate, uh, whereas Luke doesn't do that at all. And John, running with a slightly independent tradition, remembers and recognizes the same thing. But it was, it was the people, i.e. the leadership of the Jews, who demanded Barabbas. Okay. Uh, but this may, have, may or may not have anything to do with Pilate and what they're painting this picture. Mm -hmm. But obviously he's a Roman governor. Mm -hmm. And obviously Mel Gibson did his research, according to the NIV commentary, about the 39 stripes. Yeah. And Romans had no limit. So he knew that they had been killed and they could. They may not survive flogging, according to this historical note. The idea of the flogging was to make him so <coughs> incredibly weak that he would not be able to lead an insurrection or lead as the Messiah or lead as a, have a following then to lead against Rome or the Jewish authorities. That's kind of a practical <coughs> understanding. Assuming Jesus was actually flogged historically, and I think he was, um, it was probably more, in, in, in some ways, maybe more like Luke thought, that it was an attempt to say, well, let's not kill him, let's just flog him and then release him, and he'll be worthless, because he'll be ill for quite a while. And, and that seems to be the possibility there. However, none of the Gospels depict the flogging like the tradition does. It's almost like 
an afterthought. Yeah. And in fact, if you look and you read Luke very carefully, if you look at it and read it very carefully, it never actually says that Jesus is flogged. He tries to get them to accept flogging of Jesus instead of crucifixion. They won't have anything to do with it. And then nowhere in Luke's gospel does it say that he actually has Jesus flogged. Now, Mark and Matthew and John all agree that he did. But Luke doesn't seem to think it's important to mention that. Well, they just say, I will have him punished. And you don't really know what the punishment no, is. You, you no, know, you don't. As I was flipping through here, why I came across Luke 13, verse 1, it says that that very time there were some present who told him, I think that's Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Mm -hmm. That's apparently a reference to some of the uh, stories that circulated about Pilate where at other Passover celebrations he sent his, some of his agents out <laughs> into the mob with mm -hmm. knives. And just, at random. And just stuck people. You know, oh and just, just for the hell of it. What a great guy. <laughs> yeah, what a great Let's guy. be blunt here. Pilate was a bloodthirsty monster. Okay, good. He has been whitewashed in all four Gospels, but some Gospels clean him up better than others. <laughs> John cleans him up, in my opinion, just about the best. Makes him an intellectual. Uh, he has these debates, asks what is truth. You would uh, think Luke would be... Luke does a fairly good job with it. Except Luke, for what he just Luke said. Clean, Luke, clean, Luke <laughs> cleans him up the best of, uh, essentially, the best of the three synoptics. Except for mentioning that verse. Well, yeah, but that's an echo of history that doesn't deal with the actual death of Jesus. Correct. And that's where the cleaning is supposed to be important. Gotcha. He's, he's gone through this rehabilitation here. <laughs> I mean, he's still, that's interesting. We talk, he is immortalized forever and ever in the affirmations of faith, crucified under Pontius Pilate. We say, he, more Christians you know. say that name every week than you can possibly imagine. Forever. I mean, there's a billion Roman Catholics on the planet, and they all say that in the creed. So if you think about it, that name gets articulated repeatedly. And, and for what? For crucifying Jesus. And yet he's being, he's being cleverly exonerated here. He was torn by. He didn't want to. Oh, do it. I don't want the to. The Jews made him. Do it. Oh, you're. Oh, oh you're twisting my arm here. I don't want to kill Jesus, but they're going to riot, and I'm afraid of a riot. The real pilot would have said, "Let them riot. I'll go and kill each other, and then we'll go kill the victors." <laughs> That's exactly what he would say. Some people have said that about the Middle East right now. Uh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Like the the, the most uh, the most interesting. Um, I won't judge it, but I could. Um, <laughs> the most did. interesting <laughs> solution. The most interesting solution to the Middle East problem, I heard the other day, was to nuke Mecca. <laughs> Which is right up with the old Nam way to end the war. Nuke them till they glow. Nuke them till they glow. Exactly. Till they're glass. <laughs> Christian, Christians glowing, of the world. Glowing glass. Yes, exactly. I know. Okay. Um, he started but see that but no that does no we're not off that reflects the character of Pontius Pilate absolutely as a Roman he was appointed there to be vicious to be ruthless to suppress insurrection he wouldn't have been afraid of the insurrection he would have sent his soldiers out there to kill him or if they're fighting amongst themselves give me the popcorn and when they're done kill them kill the victors so what are you what's your conclusion here my conclusion is that, that this was falsified, not falsified, that, that, that Pilate has been rehabilitated. His character has been softened. He's been made into a reluctant executioner. He's been given a more human face. Uh, yeah, he was a human being, but he was bloodthirsty historically. He's been given a more human face relative to the execution of Jesus in order to shovel the blame onto the Jews. Because all of our Gospels, all four of them, were written during a period where, if not outright overt persecution against the church was going on, which was going on in John's day, 
then there was certainly antipathy towards the church, and there had been periodic events of persecution, like under Nero, which, was written, which happened before Mark's gospel was written. There had been periodic events of persecution against Christians by Roman authorities. So it was important for the Christian church, as it was developing, to try to say, look, we're not against you, Rome. We, we support the empire's right to exist. Even one of our greatest apostles, Paul, was a Roman citizen. Uh, we don't blame you for Jesus' death. It's the dirtiest, sticking, rotten Jews that you don't like. They're the ones who, who we blame for the death of Jesus. And that attitude has been inculcated into the Gospels at this point heavily elsewhere, but here particularly. What actually happened, what his, you know, if you want to talk about trying to reconstruct this historically, that's kind of dangerous. I think the best thing we can say based on what we see is, well, Pilate was the, was the governor appointed by the emperor. It's probable that Jesus was causing trouble in Jerusalem, uh, worrying the chief priests that it was going to cause them trouble with the Roman authorities, roaring the Roman authorities because the last thing that Pilate wants is you know, to see another insurrection and he'll just go out there and stop it and nip it at the bud by having or ordering the arrest of the person who's going to lead it, Jesus. And they, so what, essentially what apparently happened was the Jewish authorities, uh, knowing where, how to find Jesus, was tasked to arrest him and deliver him to Pilate, and then Pilate had him executed. That's probably what happened, mm -hmm. and probably pretty much as blatantly, simply as that. And I have severe doubts that there was a much of a, of a debate in Pilate's brain as to whether or not he ought to do this. Yeah, there might have been. I mean, you know, I don't know, we don't know. We don't know. But the tradition says that Pilate didn't want to do it. And that washed my hands of all this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I think is the most is very interesting is is the stylistic shift that happens in all all four gospels, where up until this week, mm -hmm. why you've you've had this just kind of. <laughs> synoptic, really synoptic, you know, just just hitting the high points, you know, yeah. and speeches and yeah, moving around, right. and, and then all of a sudden, the pace shifts, and it's almost <laughs> minute by minute crawling. Yeah. And even even John, who you would think would be the most, uh, who who deal with surface things the most has so many details like yeah. the name of the bench and and then he, when he talks about them huddling around the fire he talks about the fire was made of coal yeah. you know, the details just, are incredible yeah. after having very little detail yeah. being more superficial just to tell the story to give Jesus the platform to preach remember that John's gospel the purpose of John's gospel is to give Jesus a platform to preach on that's just simply what it is and to preach about himself and to preach about what to expect and, and, and how you should follow me. And then suddenly you get to the arrest and, as you say, the whole narrative changes. And, and, the, and you see a significant agreement where there had been very little agreement between, between John and the synoptic. Suddenly, significant agreement down to word usage. Why that word usage is the same is up for debate. <clears throat> and one, one of the most commonly accepted reasons for that, for those who, who accept any reasons at all, is, was this effort to explain why the Jews were responsible even though the Romans did it. Exactly. That's essentially what's going on. Hmm. Um, all right. I want to pull it back to 13 again because I want to see this, this demand that he be sent away. When Pilate heard verse 13 of chapter 19 of John. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabatha. Now, it was, that's the kind of detail you expect from Matthew. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, uh, Gabatha. Now it was, and by the way, that is one of them details that isn't in the others. Gabatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover and it was about noon 
He said to the Jews, Here is your king. And they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross by himself. He went out to what is called the place of the skull, which is in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side. And Jesus between them. Now that's that's in common between all three Gospels, by the way. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. This strikes me as something straight out of Monty mm-hmm. Python. That's right. It is. It is, actually. It's, it's, it's hilarious. I mean, you almost expect to hear this. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. The chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. It's, it's, I mean, he, he says he has the sign made, but it's almost like they're huddled around and, he's, and Pilate's got the magic marker. You know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Say, I claim to be the sea king of the Jews. Huh, I've already written it. Shut up. <laughs> it's, permanent. it's permanent. Yeah, it's chiseled into, into wood. <laughs> it's not written on a piece of paper. It's chiseled Money. into wood. It does kind of sound like Monty Python, doesn't well, it? yeah, and it kind of, I mean, if, if they did. So somebody is frantically chiseling away after he's, he's been carried off. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it took a little prep to get that sign made if, if mm-hmm. it's got all those words on it. Yeah. Carved, you know. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, notice that it's, they don't give detail about that part. Yeah. And now it's back to soldiers. Well, he, he jumps around a lot. Yeah, he's jumped around quite a bit here. Because the, he's later on, the, he's he's, still, he's talking to his mother and all that stuff. So. Here we've got here, here we've got up here in verse seventeen. He's carrying his cross to Golgotha, and there they crucified him. And then they crucify him again. When the cruci- <laughs> well, it's kind of how it is. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill the scripture, what the scripture says. This sounds like Matthew. Mm-hmm. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. All right, let's go back to Mark and review, and well, this will be as far as we get in John. Go back to Mark and review this part here, the crucifixion itself. So go back to Mark 15. Uh, and you'll see something that's been missed. After mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. They compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry his cross. It was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. That's not where John's there. It's not there. This whole thing's not there. That's because he carried it himself. Well, he carries it himself. Here, he's carrying it, and they make Simon pick it up and carry it. Then they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull, and they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him and divided his clothes among them, casting lots to decide what each should take. Ooh. Well, I think Herod is the most interesting omission from every place. Everybody, 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 everybody I just can't... And it, 
and it's kind of it's almost like the thing in the in Godspell, you know, it's it's just stuck in there for the heck of it, you know, and it's kind of comic relief or something. It's to make the story more interesting. It's to add to the story. It's it kind of follows right. that idea that Luke is adding things that the others have missed. He kind of tells us that that's one of the things he's going to do back at the beginning of the gospel. I've set out to write it uh, complete, more completely than the others have after doing research on the subject. It's kind of what he says. That is what he says. Okay. But, but Let's look at them to miss. Yeah, <laughs> they missed that. Well, my goodness, Matthew Matthew should have gotten that one for crying out loud, but he didn't. I guess it's in Superstar. It's not in Godspell. It's yeah, in I was going to say, it's Harry's mm -hmm. All right, turn to Matthew 27, verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters. Now we're gonna, we're, I'll just pick it up and read this part, although it's parallel to what we had done earlier. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, into the praetorium, and they gathered the whole cohort around him. This is almost identical to Mark. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and after twisting some, some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head. Then they put a reed in his hand and knelt before him, and mocking him said, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. After mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. So that's almost word for word from Mark. It's just been polished a little Did they bit. change the color of the robe? What color was that again? One's purple, purple. and here it's scarlet. Here it's scarlet. What did they do that for? We noticed that when we did the synoptics. Yeah, One purple, the other it. scarlet. That's so you can put either vestment up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. That's not a bad idea. Um, as they went out, verse 32, as they went out, they came upon a man. So he's carrying his cross, obviously, at this point. And what would he be carrying? Just the crossbar. Yeah. Just the crossbar. Remember, the Romans would leave the vertical pole standing. The person would carry the crossbeam oh. to the site. It'd be more like Godspell. Then lay down, and they would nail and, and rope you to the to the crossbeam, and then literally hoist you up like a banner to the top of the beam, and you would sit up there almost like a T-bar. After mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him, and then they led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. Where's Rufus and Alexander mentioned? That got dropped from Mark. Mm -hmm. Poor Rufus and Alexander. Their claim to historic fame, those two kids, is, is only found in Mark, and it's that the daddy helped Jesus carry his cross. And they only get listed there in Mark, and not in Matthew. How sad. As they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. That's a little different, isn't it? Slightly different. <laughs> and then he tastes it but doesn't drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes among themselves by casting lots. Then they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head they put the charge against him which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Ooh. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. That matches John. Doesn't give it the detail, but and it doesn't give the scene of G of Pilate having it written and then saying, no, 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 no. We wanted to say this man claims to be the king of the Jews. Hmm. And here you have the bandits. The, then two bandits were crucified with him, one on the right and one on his left. Those who had passed by derided him. John, let's 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 not go there. Let's 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 go on to Luke. Okay, go to Luke. Twenty-three. As they verse twenty-six, chapter twenty-three, verse twenty-six. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of people followed him 
and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, and preaches a sermon. I mean, remember, he yeah. does that frequently in Luke. Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin. I wonder how they read that back in Elizabethan days without getting red-faced. <laughs> then, or Victorian days. Victorian. Yeah. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? When you're going to die, Jesus, are you going to be preaching about warnings for the end times? That's what he's doing here. Exactly. Two others also. Well, let's, let's stop there. Okay, go back to John. So the, uh, go down to the end to, or 38, and the, the sign is there. Too. Oh, yeah, the sign. a very strong tradition. Yes. The sign was up there. This is the king of the Jews with the inscription over him. Yeah, that is go back to John. So John has the, and John has the sign. Luke has the sign. Matthew has the sign. All right. Next week we'll pick it up in verse 25b. Meanwhile, standing near the cross, Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. Mary, 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 Mary. Listening to a Bible study by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of St. Stephen United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2011 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other seminars, Bible studies, or sermons by Dr. Gregory Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at St. Stephen United Methodist Church, 2520 Oates Drive, Mesquite, Texas, 75150. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.